It's quite an obligation that Orb has entrusted to us. It's a huge task. It is. And we're only two ships. Honestly, what we're trying to do may well be impossible. You're right. And you're still fine with this? We have faith. Even if it's small, a strong light won't fade away. Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best and only episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast. My name is Jeremy. I'm Tyler. My name is Zach, and this touchpad is really, really awkward. Yes, I know. It's fun to deal with every week. Just like every week we watch an episode of Gundam Seed, this week we are going to be watching episode 39-41, depending on if you're watching the new version that's cool and shiny and accessible, or the old version no one can get their hands on. (laughs) I have it. Yes, Zach has it. Some bootleg people on eBay have it. Trembling World, that's the name of this episode? It is. Or as I like to call it, I forgot the funny name I came up with for it. Damn it. <laughs> that, well done. You know, well done. That. that was almost, maybe almost better than any name you could have come up with, though. So. I had one like a minute ago, and I was like, they should have called this episode. Nope, lost it. I do like this episode, though, if only because it has the thing Gundam Wing doesn't, which is propaganda, dueling propaganda, two people propagandaing, like, cut between each other. You like propaganda stuff, don't I do. You? Look, Goebbels is a terrible war crime. Oh, Criminal? Yes. Criminal. Criminal. But dude knew how to direct the movie. Speaking of, really quickly, have you ever heard of the game Secret Hitler? I have, but I can't remember anything about it right now. Basically, you have a liberal party and a fascist party, and the fascist party is secretly trying to get Secret Hitler secret elected, but no one knows who Hitler is, and no one really knows what any of the party lines are. So basically, the liberal party is just trying to, like, not get Hitler elected. To elect anybody but Hitler. Yeah, to elect anybody but Hitler, or not pass too many fascist agendas, but the fascist agendas help the liberal party as well, so there's kind of a power balance. That'd be brutal. Yeah, it's actually, it's a fun asynchronous information game. I haven't ever actually played it, but it sounds really interesting. Anyway. So how do you know it's fun? Because it sounds fun, and anything that sounds fun is fun, Zach. That's how the world works. That's not how the world works. That's the way the news goes. Anyway. Yeah, episode 39 slash 41. You can watch along with us on Crunchyroll or Hulu if you're some sort of weird person who pays for Hulu. Or YouTube if it's one of the designated months for Gundam Seed to be on YouTube. All right. The episode starts with another of those recaps. We have spoilers for last episode. Ghost Dad telling everybody they have to GTFO and that means get out of Orb. I don't actually know his name. The Lion of Orb. Chairman Arthur? Yeah. Izumi Nora Arthur. There we go. Oh, he's got a first name? Yeah, it's Azumi. Oh, yeah, Lord Azumi. There we go. Ah, I always thought his name was Chairman. Lord Azum Zoom. Or something. Anyway, we get a recap of his heroic actions last episode, where he blew himself up with a bunch of other people. I really feel like this could have been an automated system, or, like, not his entire cabinet needed to die with him, or... Well, he sent Rambo out. Rambo is now head of the orb government. (laughs) They gotta go down with the ship. I mean... And since they don't have a ship, they have to go down with the base. I understand the symbolism of him going down, but why did the entire governing body need to go? They just let a nascent nation... Spoilers for Destiny, not all of them. (laughs) Only the ones who shouldn't have. See, (laughs) it's 
part of their constitution. If they should ever have to destroy one of their major military bases, the chairman and his cabinet have to resign in explosive fashion. Do they actually have to explode, or do they just have to blow something up? They have to be a part of the explosion. Okay, that's unfortunate. I feel like you could find some loopholes, though. I don't know. Yes, like pressing the button and not being nearby, but no one thinks about that. Yeah, that's true. Orb is obsessed with symbols. You know, you say that kind of jokingly, like, as we're improving this. I'm not joking. I think they really are, actually. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> what does Orb itself mean? I mean, it's also an acronym, because it's always all caps, right, every time you see it? I'm not sure. I think so. I wonder what it stands for. The original Rebellion Barbecue. Come down to Orb. Have our sweet, <laughs> sweet Orb Barbecue. <laughs> it's a little redundant because it's now the Orb, the, the Rebellion Barbecue Barbecue. barbecue. <laughs> Alright, so once we're done with that, we get the fourth and final opening scene until Destiny. And man, there's a lot of reused footage in this. There's well, a lot of new footage, too, but... Well, yeah, you had to make a new opening scene. You don't want to spend money on it. You just need that cool new song. That's uh, true. This one is actually kind of like slow by comparison to the others. A little so bit, far. although it's still fairly upbeat in comparison. It's a to pop a song, definitely. I didn't like it as much as the third one until I played Super Robot Wars J, and this is the song that plays whenever the Freedom or Justice do anything. And MIDI version of this, while the Freedom walks on to thirty different units is rad, and it will make it your favorite of the Gundam Seed theme songs. I don't know what they used in V. Uh, was it from something from Destiny, I think? I think it was the first Destiny opening, which is actually my favorite of all, if you count Destiny and, and Seed. Seed together. That's my favorite song. I think is the one they used. It does open on this awesome beatific lacus. That yeah, which one of the songs. other ones closed on that, too. Yeah. And it's a whole bunch of basically ghost characters in the background with Kira and Athern standing back-to-back. -back and instead of being... The foreground. And then when their ghost characters come up, instead of being back-to-back -back like they were in previous intros, they're now facing each other and smiling because they're friends again. It's great. I assume they're friends again for the rest of the series, more or less, right? Well, there's always room for betrayal. That is true. We're going to get reused shots of the two walking <laughs> away from their mobile suits. <laughs> and then we get the boob bounce. That is not in the original version of the opening. Or rather, it is, but she's in silhouette. But after the Gundam Seed Destiny openings, they were just like, fuck it. Let's have those nipples on there. I, I am, I'm mature. I so, am mature. One thing I would like to call out while this is there, and this plays into my uh, Rao is an evil clone of Moo theory. There's like a double helix in the background while Rao and Moo are standing like on either side of the double helix. So... I don't know if there's actually any And uh, Maru is bouncing in the uh, behind them. Well, let me put it this way, Tyler. You're as close as a human being could get. <laughs> actually, I think Rai was a secretly not evil clone. I think he's actually a double agent. Or maybe even a quadruple agent. Again, he's that kind of you're guy. close. <laughs> like, he's clearly plotting against Zala. There we go. It took me a moment to remember his name. Patrick. <laughs> then we get a shot of the Buster, the Strike, and an Estray in threat of three battleships. The Archangel, what we'll find out in this episode is the Kusanagi, and a third one. <laughs> and and third other. One. And Lacus' ship, clearly. What's the right color? Is this Zaft? No, this is Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> we then get Admiral Lacus in her best costume with the boys on a bridge and a bunch of Harus. That's clearly the best costume. I also really like the pink and white ship that everyone's talking to. And like, ah, man. Then we get the, the drug is an evil archangel. Like, it's a dark archangel with Nataro at the helm, I guess. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's just like dark archangel. A dark angel, if you will. I really like that name. But we'll talk about that at the end of this episode. The Dominion? 
The minion is a class of angel. That's also not subtle. They bring it up in Bayonetta. Because everything you fight is from a circle. That's that. We then get footage from the series, which is the first time these opening sequences have done that. We get Atherin jumping on Kigali and Lacus kissing Kira on the cheek. And the original, instead of the Lacus kiss, it's just some lame strike footage, but the strike isn't even Kira's mobile suit anymore, so who cares? <laughs> then we get all the druggies, I guess, because they're running the astray girls for like half a second in a sweet, sweet cherry blossom mobile suit that Kigali definitely doesn't get to pilot ever. <laughs> Never. The Strike Rouge. <laughs> Is that actually what it's called? Yes. Yes. Then the return of Kira staring up Lacus's skirt, but for some reason, since it's a shorter skirt, it doesn't bother me as much. <laughs> Don't ask me why the logic there works. It doesn't. And a shot of Rao in the Strike fighting Rao through Crusade. In a Rao in his... Uh, yeah, Rao in the Strike. Again. Moo in the Strike fighting Rao the Crusade in a Gundam. Which, again, in the original version of the opening is just his Sayu. But they put a Gundam in for the fancy new version. And that's pretty much this opening. Except for at the end, we got Kira and Lacus and Kigali and Adrian instead of just Kira and Adrian. And they're in the, like, the uniforms. Like, Admiral Lacus and... Governor. Governess. Kigali? I'm not entirely sure I'm going to call her that. Administrator. Administrator Kigali. That makes sense. Yeah, this She's got medals just... for no reason. <laughs> It's for all of her stupid, foolhardy bravery in the desert. They're Desert Dawn medals, not war medals. <laughs> I guess. That was when she was allowed to do things. <laughs> she spends all this episode in the lame red orb jacket. Yeah. Which everyone wears. It's standard issue orb jacket. With the exception of Kira. Kira and the crew of the Archangel, for whatever reason, don't get issued orb jackets. I assume because they had clothes on the Archangel. Kira only has his uniform. And why he has a uniform, I'm not entirely sure since, you know, he was dead. He probably had more than one before he died, and it's not like they had time to throw all his stuff overboard. Also, based on, like, everyone else on the ship, he's pretty, like, medium-sized. Probably yeah. they just took some... They had they had something in his size to begin with, yeah. so... Which is already weird. Why they have spares is even weirder. Well, they were supposed to have five pilots who all died. Maybe they were all Kira's size. Yeah, he's a standard-issue Gundam pilot. I guess. Actually, he's a standard-issue Gundam protagonist. He, all, he also fit in the flight suit, so I guess there's that. They thought all the other people they hired were protagonists because they all had weird color hair, but it turns out they weren't born with weird color hair, and none of them sat on the left side of the classroom when they were kids. Kira has brown hair. Well, I know, which is weird, right? Like, he, he's like an unusual Have you seen candidate. any Gundam series before? No, they were hiring standard anime protagonists, is what I'm getting at, for this position, and they done goofed. They didn't do a thorough background screening. Now, I want to see the Dark Magician Gundam piloted by <laughs> Yuki <Mato laughs> And preferably with the Dark Magician Girl Gundam. And he actually just has, like, a plot of land that he carries next to him and he just tosses stuff into it. He's like, I now summon it from my graveyard! And he, like, literally just reaches over and pulls another mobile suit up. Anyway, it sounded like a better joke in my head. I don't think it was actually it that It probably good. was. <laughs> I thought it was funny. The episode starts with the Kusanagi assembling itself in space. Which is actually kind of cool. I don't like it. I mean, it's cheaper to send up multiple parts, I assume. And that's why they do this, so that it's easier than sending it all up at once. I do like that it's just, like, magical girls sparkling the entire time, though. <laughs> that makes sense, because it's, like, landing lights. I just assumed it was supposed to be a reflection off of, like, stars. I had always assumed, because of what they look like, I thought they were landing lights or guiding lights. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Especially considering they're constructing the ship. Yeah. And once the ship is complete, Maru calls Rambo and is like, hey, how's Kigali? And he has, in English, the most awkward line read of all time, which is, right now, I can't bring myself to tell her not to cry. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's like, maybe maybe try one more take, buddy? No? Okay. <laughs> that was the best I could do. They only had him for a half hour. So we get a ton of asteroids boarding the, I can't even remember, the Kusanagi. Kusanagi. Like, some really awkward space ninja shit with Athrin and Kira as they, like... Apparently, all they gotta do is go through the door and they get out of their flight suits. Like, it's like the bat ball. And then Kira just kind of, like, barges in on Kigali's room and Athrin's like, I guess I'll follow. We're doing this now, right? Well, Kira knows that his chest is for crying, so... Or at the very least, people diving at him in the zero-G. I actually really like that effect because it always sends him flying, but can you imagine the awkward finish where they just, like, bump against a wall at the end of that? (laughs) Like, it looks great for the dramatic shot, but as soon as you cut away. So Rambo invites Maru and Moo over to the Kusanagi to give them a tour. He's like, uh, it's got armor and we can, like, hold a fuck ton of astrays, but it doesn't have any guns, so it's no Archangel. Speaking of astrays, there are the astray girls. Get used to not seeing them much. Moo is very impressed by the efficiency of the design. <laughs> He's like, I also like radial designs. They get onto the bridge, which looks exactly like the Archangels. And actually, as it, like, pans in, like, it shows an outside shot, I'm like, wow, that looks exactly like the Archangels' bridge. And then Maru's like, this looks exactly like the Archangels' bridge. But Kisaka's like, nah, man, who is Rambo? If you don't know, if you haven't been catching up, Rambo is Kisaka. I use the names interchangeably. He doesn't really look like Rambo anymore. He got a haircut. Nice uniform. He discovered irons. <laughs> He's currently not uh, wearing his headband. I was going to say, we didn't do a recap of the series this episode, but we had the new intro to go over. Yeah. But yeah, Rambo's like, nah, we built this one first, but then we built the Archangel. So we're like, yeah, our bridge is cool. And Erica Simmons is here. Get used to not seeing her either. She's on the bridge for some reason, even though she's like a research engineer. Well, she's a named character. slash Presumably she's doing like science on the bridge? Well, science officer. Anyway. Tactical she, officer, whatever. They bring up, like, a space chart. I just love that the Earth is just this giant yeah, it, blue It's a orb. big big label, a big blue orb that says, The Earth. I love it. With Archangel underneath it. Yeah, it's the Archangel as in, like, a piece of a circle angel. And they're discussing, like, Lagrange points, because that's everyone's favorite space thing. And they're basically discussing space geography so they can play space risk. Meanwhile, Kigali's just letting the awkward brother-sister photo float around her. And her ghost dad is like, Kigali, remember, you will be with your brother. There is another. She's the other. Yeah, I guess that is her. And and apparently Kira and Atherin have just been hanging out in her room while she got changed and washed her face. So anyway, Rambo's like, we should go to the O4 thing for like like stationing okay. i don't even know what they're trying to do there basically he's like we aren't gonna run out of supplies soon but we need them especially water so we should go somewhere where we can find it i hadn't thought about this when we were initially watching this but kira atherin and kigali kind of teleport to the bridge i assume they walked it's an awkward break that they just kind of show up midway through without even like yeah, appearing to enter the bridge they just kind of appear there I so, mean, they are walking wait, towards the people, at least. I love this frame you pause on, because it looks like Hero's just awkwardly biting his lip. <laughs> like, he's nervous <laughs> to, like, walk. So, I actually have a legitimate question. How so, is Atherin standing on the ground? Um, magnetic, zero-G. Magnetic loafers. <laughs> uh, is that rest? Like, presumably you could, like, yeah, but you'd still down. There, there seems to be gravity on the bridge. Kind mm-hmm. of. Like, Kira's floating. I assume he's Kigali flo- I assume Ki- if you had played... No, he was, he oh, was floating. Yeah. And Kigali just finished floating to the front of the... Oh, Kira's clearly ascended. Okay, so my actual legit question is, 
how are Kira and Kigali siblings? I guess fraternal twins? But Kira is a coordinator, and she is not. Okay, so later, the- Kigali asks, what does that make me? And I think that is what she's trying to figure out in okay. that moment. She's wondering whether she's also a coordinator? Yeah. I okay. think she knows that she's not. Yeah. But she's like, why am I not? And like, how am I? Am I maybe actually? I'm confused. That will come up. Okay. That has to do with who Rally Crusade is, believe it or not. I don't. <laughs> I do not believe it. But the show has gone off the rails. Not yet, I don't think. It, it's going. By the it's time it it's wobbling. It's, it sees a nice point to jump. Okay, if it's a plot point later, then I suppose I'll just have to wait. Anyway, they want to go to the L4 because there are some colonies that were damaged there but are still functional. But they've been abandoned, so there won't be any people there. But they might be able to get water and food and stuff. Mu and Maru are like, ah, that reminds us of that time we stole from a bunch of dead bodies. Like, yeah, but there are no dead bodies there. It'll be less awkward. Then Athrin speaks up about it, and everyone turns around like, oh, shit, I forgot he was here. Also, I have Zaft intelligence. He's like, hey, there was a manga spinoff, and we investigated that and discovered that it's all cool. (laughs) Basically, there are a bunch of cool places we could build some, like, tree forts or something. And Kira just decides. It's decided. To be fair, that's what they wanted to do anyway. And Kira's basically their de facto leader at this point. Kinda? He's also kinda not? Yeah, I know, it's weird. Anyway, Moo turns around and is like, hey, I wanted to ask you though. Can you and that other Zaft guy whose name I don't remember, I think I humiliated him a bunch. Me and Gravity teamed up to beat <laughs> his sand. ass. Can we depend on you in a fight since you're ex-Zaft soldiers who have deserted now? I just deserted, so I know it's tough. But we're not sure if we can help you out, because you're actually going to be fighting your own guys when we're coming up against this. You just did that, to be fair. And Athrun's, like, he's basically like, you're the son of the chairman and stuff, and Kigali starts to stand up for him, and Athrun's like, nah, fuck it, I'm just gonna do it. Kira, (laughs) on the other hand, does not stand up for him. Moo gives Kigali a dressing down about how desertion is actually really hard. Yeah, and he knows, like I just said. And he's like, it's even his dad. You know, your dad just died. Do you want to fight him? There's about to be a lot of father issues in this series. Spoiler from about five minutes for now. <laughs> and, like, everyone looks really, like, Kira and Athra. Okay, I'm sorry. There's a shot of Kira while Moo's going on this, and he's, like, looking off into space. And he's got this weird, like, pouty expression on his face. Like, I don't know what you're talking he about. I actually just remembered an optimization he could have made to the Gundam's operating <laughs> system, and he's, like, really wants to go work on it. I recognize that face. <laughs> <laughs> Moo gives him a long-winded speech about it, and he's not wrong. And he's like, and can I trust you in combat, basically? Yeah. You got my back, bro? Yeah. <laughs> just like, and then he, it zooms out and he turns into Ditto from Pokemon. And after it's basically just like, uh, so I've been hanging out in a lot of places, and everyone seems like they're assholes, and it made me think a lot, and I have some little philosophical stuff right now, but it's not very detailed because I'm a teenager, and I don't know, but I think I'm on your side. <laughs> the only thing that is clear for me is that I want to hang out with Kira, and that's what I want to do. I want to hang out with Kira and Kigali. And Moo's like, well, you're very strong-willed, not like Kira. <laughs> Kira's gotten a lot better about that lately. Backhanded compliment. It's not really a backhanded compliment. It's a compliment to Athard and a diss on Kira and one foul sloop. But Kira's like, yeah, yeah, he's been that way since we were kids. Uh, but Moo's like, hey, this is going to be really hard, especially since we've only got two ships and we're basically fighting two armies. Which is not wrong, but on the other hand... The Archangel's been fighting an army all on its own with one mobile suit and one whatever Moolaflog is piloting today. <laughs> <laughs> and now they have twice as many ships and ten uh, times, as, ten many times as many mobile suits. They're sitting pretty. I mean, if you're Moo and Maru, it's like, 
damn, it's like an embarrassment of riches. Look at all this shit we got. You know, the Archangel at least had the threat of the Earth forces showing up, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm just bringing this up because I've always, since I first watched it, found the idea of the Three Ships Alliance taking on both militaries. Spoilers, they're going to get a third ship. Yeah, well, the red one from the intro. As being a little silly. But it's really not any sillier than the Archangel taking all comers. To be fair, throughout a lot of the initial run for the Archangel, it's basically the Archangel against one ship, one team on its own. I mean, yeah, there have been instances where more people have shown up, but they've really not actually gone after the Archangel in force. Yeah, it's never been a large-scale tactical engagement. Exactly. Sexy Ron Baral did, but that's that the true. only exception. But they also had the uh, Desert Dawn. So, yeah, they so had they had the Desert Dawn's assistance. Is that actually what they're called? The yes. Desert yes. Dawn? Okay. I was making that up off the top of my head. It was the <laughs> Desert Dawn. Um, did a good job. I should really like the idea that Atherin is just doing this because Lacus told him to earlier. <laughs> and he's like, uh, Look, he's got a lot of flashbacks to that. So yeah, Lacus would be really disappointed if I turn back now. God damn it. Kira says something cheesy about a light in the darkness or something. And then Atherin's like, hey, there are people in the plants who feel the same way. Kira's like, yeah, you mean Lacus? And he's like, Pink Princess? And he's like, yeah, she's Atherin's fiance, which gets a reaction out of Kigali. So she's like, damn, I thought I had him all to myself. And. Catherine's like, yeah, she's being sought as a traitor by my dad right now, which leads us into a transition to some sweet dueling propaganda. And I was not joking. This is my jam. <laughs> we get secret pirate radio, Lacus Klein, dishing the free to, uh, the peace talk, the anti-war talk. We get government assholes shooting her radio equipment when they find it's a recording and not like, her. Full-fledged then- stormtrooper style, kick in the door, <laughs> guns out. Only to shoot a radio. Yeah, frustratedly shoot a radio, which cuts to Patrick Zala giving a counter speech to Lacus's speech. And he's like, hey, remember, they sold us out to the Earth Forces, because I actually believe that, because I'm a little far gone. But I love that they've come in with guns drawn, because it shows they mean business, and they're frustrated that they don't get what they want. I always read that as, well, gotta use this on something. Well, the thing That's- is, like... I don't necessarily see it as that, because it's only the commander that actually shoots. That's true. But I can kind of see that being a thing. So I just find it amusing. that they, You've got all the soldiers, like the door is open, and they're all just standing there with their guns pointed at an empty room, and you just kind of want one of them to go, is this really necessary? <laughs> it's a, it's a one-room thing. We can see you know, everything. One thing I've noticed about soldiers in this entire show is that none of them know anything about gun safety. And, like, I barely know anything <laughs> about gun safety, but all these people are running with their guns constantly at the ready, and, like, their safeties aren't on, and, like... I know, and the one thing I know is never point it at anything you don't intend to shoot. Exactly, and they do <laughs> so, that And they point the it time. at the radio, so they have to follow <laughs> through. <laughs> but anyway, we get these sweet dueling speech where Patrick Zala is all like, remember why we're fighting, and remember Remember Junius 7, we don't want to fight, but we have to. And Lacus is like, hey, think about all the people who are dying and how we're all infertile and not an actual species and we need naturals. And Patrick Zell is like, we're the best species. And he's like, hey, uh, we're smart, so eventually our intellect will overcome all the problems we face today. Oh, and- shit. What I just realized oh, is that there are... Ends. Everybody's here? Everybody's here. <laughs> Everybody um, here. Oh, see, so what we're talking about, they added a shot in the HD version it's from Gundam Sea Destiny of some characters who will be showing up there. One of which is a refugee from Orb. So he would have just got here, presumably. He's got his, like, traveling bag. It, well, yeah, I just, he, since he's got a uniform, that's what threw me off, is it didn't seem like there would have been enough time for him to get to Orb, since Orb literally just finished getting wasted. 
like, we don't know how much time has passed between, like, the Kusanagi getting assembled and now. Like, it could have been weeks. I assume this is him kind of just arriving, and he's immediately like, this is what I want. Because I think this is a shot from Destiny where he says, I got here. Like, Are you sure this is actually a shot from Destiny? I'm pretty sure and some, it is. So something they actually spliced in? Because I don't remember this shot, but it's also been a long time since I I'm saw Destiny. I'm pretty sure it's from Destiny. I could be wrong. Because I don't remember Mayron and Luna being in this shot. But they're there. As is the other dude. Yeah, as is Ray. Let Tyler, Tyler try and figure out who's who. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm assuming Bowl Cut Guy is a huh? main character. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn, we got it. And we get more military guys getting ready to storm a building, and they actually find some people this time and kill the hell out of Lacus's dad. Kill the hell out of everybody. Yes, Blackus's dad is just there. They cut this version out when they first aired it on Cartoon Network, or rather this shot of him dying, so I just assumed that since it didn't show the body, he must have escaped. But, but no, he's very dead. Yeah, he's very dead. I'm pretty sure that was a new shot, too, with the blonde guy, because that's Miguel's, Miguel, right? Yeah, I, I think that was in the original, too, but I could be wrong. Wait, Miguel, for, like, from the first episode, yeah, Miguel? like, it's his mom watching this speech, and she sees a picture of him. So we have all this drama and this excellent, like, rhetoric being tossed back and forth. And we've got the Lackis actually recording this in her secret hideout. And there's a goddamn Haro bouncing on her desk, and it just completely undermines all the tension. I'm not I, a fan. It's making bouncing noises as it does it. <laughs> She's clearly very frustrated, too. Like, oh, Yeah. God. Well, it's kind of like, why do I keep this thing around? And we get Secret Agent DaCosta showing up Dude, in his bitchin', house where his bitchin' trench coat. I want Private Eye DaCosta now. I just want <laughs> DaCosta to team up with Harry Dresden. We get light bulbs filled with babies. We get some talk about, like, the different views about what coordinators actually are. And we get to see coordinators being created. Or they're trying to, I assume, because this is right over the line about how they're infertile, basically. Yeah, which is actually a really cool shot. I like it. And meanwhile, while this still goes on, uh, or Atherin's dad, Pat, is getting a report about how his greatest political rival, Siegel, is dead. But his annoying radio daughter, Lack, is still spouting all sorts of radio stuff. You know what's actually kind of funny is that she could have pre-recorded all these messages and they wouldn't have ever even known. Yeah. They're really bad at this. I kind of assume that's what's going on and that's what the tape was. And we're seeing her record one. Because she does have to record them. But I assume that she's not broadcasting a lot. No, I, I assume the same thing. that They're recording them in these different locations, which is why they're able to leave them running in these locations to let them go raid the place while they're not there. So then we cut the Rowler Crusade hanging out with Izak and Flay, who's now in a Zaft Grunt uniform, as well as in the HD version, Shiho, whose name I don't know how to pronounce. She's a Expanded Universe character. She was supposed to be voiced by the singer who does the fourth opening theme but she never squared her schedule so she gets no lines but she shows up quite a bit she just keeps showing up but she never actually speaks also can i just say how great flay looks in green it's not bad it's not bad anyway Isaac's like man i can't believe lack is a traitor and rao is like yeah that's why they're using her but we're going home and i doubt it's to go find lackis so <laughs> but we're gonna go to space everybody going to space that was what it was going to be called my fake episode name for this? Everybody's going, Everybody to, going space. to space. <laughs> well, it's not Spoilers. wrong. Everybody going to space. Yeah, everybody's the going, to going to space. Tara going to space. Rao going to space. Isaac and Flay going to space. Everybody going to space. Then we get the eye catch right after I remember the title. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's a Gundam thing. Every series has to end in space. Hey, guys. It's Jeremy. One last time. This is the last episode I'm editing, for now at least. Tyler will be back next week. So thank you for listening to all the ones I edited, as well as all of our episodes. We are 39 in, less than 10 to go for Gundam Seed, which is 
kind of scary, even though we've already started Destiny, like I keep saying. It's kind of weird. We started this project so long ago. It's going to feel nice to have it done, but also, like I said, it's just going to feel weird. So if this is somehow your first episode, www.lastpodcast.com is our website. That's where you can find past episodes, as well as our other podcasts. Last time on video games, where Zach, Tyler, and I play old video games and then talk about them. And Jumpstart Weekly, where me and my buddy Kevin read all the Shonen Jump manga and talk about it, as well as new volumes of manga. I forgot to mention that the episode that went up two weeks ago now had Zach and Tyler both guessing on it. We talked about Liar's Game, which is one of Tyler's favorite manga, and it was a pretty fun episode. You should go back and listen to that if you're at all interested. You'll also find a link to our Discord there on the contact page. And if you click there, you can join our Discord where we talk about Gundam 0083 and Data Gundam, you know, lots of good UC Gundams. Talked about Evangelion and why we're never going to do an Evangelion podcast, as well as plans for what's coming in the future. So if you want to talk to us, that's by far the easiest way. You can also email us at Gundam at lasttimeonvideogames.com. And that's about it. I will let you guys get back to the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Also, a colony drop? Are, are we going to get a colony drop in this show? I uh, think I've asked this Does before. Destiny count? Yeah, Destiny counts. We will get a colony drop at some point. Okay. After the eye catch, we get back to Lacus facing DaCosta and be like, oh, you're here, so I guess that means we're leaving. And he's like, yep. And she's like, so, what's the happy haps? <laughs> and he's like, well, the Earth Forces attacked Orb and Victoria, or blew up their cool roller coaster, but <laughs> the Earth Forces managed to recake Victoria's. And, and we get some and shots get of the battle. Yeah, then we get to see how that happens, and there's a little bit of reused footage. There's some, like, that dagger multi-attack thing that they Well, do. they seem to be taking... The battle seems to be taking place in multiple locations, because some of the battle is taking place in a forest, and another one, it's taking place in Badlands. A lot of this footage is from the Panama fight. And also, Lacus points out, hey, didn't Zap like, have most of their forces there? And that's true, but the strike daggers are just way better than the dumb Zaf mobile suits. They're not tigers <clears throat> or gun things. And then we get to see Lack is leaving her house in secret, and she decided to cosplay a ranger today, I guess. So She's got a pink, purple hoodie, yeah. I've been poncho thing. I've been making fun of thing. it all night. I actually well, really like it. I but. love this look. I wish she was in this all the time. <laughs> it's not as good as Admiral Lackis, which is going to be the new normal, but she looks good in purple. You know, I keep thinking that one of the main reasons why she must keep that horror around is because it's weaponized in some fashion. Yeah, it's actually uh, Atherin's secret bomb horror. It's got, like... Death beam laser eyes yeah, that she just never has to use. I was actually going to say it's codenamed Chaozu. The Costa gets a call and he's like, "What, Seagull?" And Lacus gets a surprised look because she's about to find out her dad ain't doing so good. He he's got, got a bad case of lead poisoning. I was going to say iron lung, but also pretty good. Meanwhile, cut to Victoria with Earth forces going to see if any Zap dudes are still alive so they can be shot with also- literal vultures because we needed more symbolism, I guess. And basically, they're just going and killing wounded and dying soldiers because reasons. Because, because that's what they did in uh, Panama to them. That's what the Zap forces did. That's true. So because exhalation. both sides are now massive dicks. Speaking of, Azrael's here. He's like, hey, good job, Sutherland. I sucked at Orb, but you did this good. And Sutherland's like, here, let me stroke your ego. And by that, I mean uh, excuse noise. You only lost because there were other mobile suits there that you weren't expecting. They were pretty awesome. They may have been nuclear-powered. I they don't know. They may have been built by Zaft and might be nuclear-powered. That's basically the scene. And Ezreal's like, yep, I think they're nuclear-powered. It's just a hunch. But 
coordinators made it in janitors. So if there was, I don't know, some sort of end jammer canceller, they could have made that. So I'm going to go to space and see if I can get him. Then we can nuke everything. It'll be great. Really? So they flash back to the uh, a couple shots of the fight between the, I can't even remember, the Justice and the... Freedom? Freedom, thank you. Fighting the druggie suits. And I just, like, why did they put a mace on the mobile suit? You know what's really funny? <laughs> I've been editing our earlier episodes. You said the duel would be way better with a mace to get around Gundam shields. That's I know, li- I agree. <laughs> but, like, also a beam saber would be a good idea. Like, both? Can uh, we do both? Can we do a beam mace? That doesn't make any <laughs> sense, Tyler. Why not? It's just like all the spikes, instead of spikes, are just beams. Okay, I guess that makes a little <laughs> bit more... My, when you said beam mace, I was picturing just like a ball of light. Also that, we could do that instead. I'd be okay with that. That's so dumb. So in the HD version, we get some background for Azrael. Basically just that he was bullied as a kid, and his mom was a bitch to him. You know, I kind of, looking at that, at least the, the first shot where Azrael gets his ass kicked... I assume it's it a kind well, it, I think it's a coordinator, but it also looked like Azrael had a bunch of buddies trying to rough up this coordinator who then proceeded to whip their asses. Yep. Well, maybe So, like, he was trying like... to bully somebody who kicked his ass? And maybe that's what made him think, like, even, like, 20 of us can't take this one guy. Yeah, I mean, like, this is explaining, it's supposed to be giving him, like, motivation. Really, or... it just makes him look like a pussy. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It, like, it, it's really not very tragic. I don't like him very much as a result. Like, it's not making him likable in any it's way. It's not making him re- even really relatable. Hey, I tried to be- I tried to whoop this guy with a bunch of my friends and we lost. And he's absurdly rich because he's in a mansion and his mom's super nicely dressed when she slaps him. I, oh, could, wait, I could only help but, the domestic abuse. I could only help but think way back when, when me and me and Jeremy saw, I think it was Spider-Man 3 at midnight, after his mom slaps him, could only think, hit her again! <laughs> hit him again in this case. No, I know what I said. <laughs> Look, Lacus Klein is cool. You shouldn't insult people by calling them women. Look, Golly tries. She tries real hard. She's just not allowed not to do my, A lot of my favorite characters are, like Colin from Code Geass. She's pretty awesome. Anyway, Atherin is sitting in the moping room, moping about how his dad is a jerk. While Kira is actually outside talking to all the Astray girls while they're doing maintenance, or at least one of them, while they're doing maintenance on the Astrays. He's like, remember, I hacked this operating system together in like an hour, so you're going to have to run Not like- even an hour. It's like, he put it to- they're running... he was there a couple days. Yeah, he was there a couple days. So you're going to have to reboot it about every five minutes. Um, really, the whole thing's running on a cron, so you have to reschedule that. Anything else? Oh, yeah. Also, you have to clean up the JVM. Kira's like, hey, let's go back to the Archangel. Because I like it more than this place. It doesn't make much of a difference, but this show's full of strays, and they have kind of a smell about them. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of thought of that as more of the ship's full of strays. Like, we, that really doesn't have anywhere for us. Yeah. Because if you look at it, they're not, Justice and the Freedom really aren't in gantries. They're just kind of in the launch bay. Oh, they filled this thing as much as they could with all the strays. Well, yeah, I mean, so on. they don't actually have anywhere for them to dock and do, like, maintenance and, and the and Archangel stuff. currently has two mobile suits on it. And it's designed for five, if I remember right. Five and three ships, so that you could probably sit at least six in there, since they currently have no ships. I guess the, they probably still have the... Mobius Zero. Zero, but we never see it again. Spoilers. Yeah, because they never actually showed anybody removing that. You know who could pilot that? Kigali. You know who's not going to. Yeah, well, she never gets to do anything at this point. Is it sad that I've forgotten the name of Millie's boyfriend? It started with a T. Tall? Yes, thank you, Tall. I wanted to call him Thomas. <laughs> Maybe Thomas. <laughs> That's a Hunger Games name, if I ever heard one. <laughs> Thomas? So, but before they can leave, Kigali enters the moping room. 
And he's like, Kira, can can I talk to you for a minute? I need to mope. And Atherin's like, okay, I'll, I'll go mope somewhere <laughs> else. kind of got an expression on his face like, oh, shit, I don't want to be anywhere near this while this shit's going down. I'm and getting out of here. Like, Wait, Atherin, I want you to see this. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, look. She saw Star Wars and remembers the part where Han just assumed Leia was in love with Luke, and she wants to make sure that there's no awkward moment like that. And rather than actually saying anything, she just kind of hands him a picture. And Kira takes it, looks like it's uh, who's this? Like, why am I supposed to care? It's like, our names are on the other side. It's like, what? I like our Kigali's name first. That really doesn't, like, say anything. It's like, our names are on it. Okay, what's your, it's it's a picture of two babies with two names on the back of it. I'm not oh. sure why you seem to. But one has brown hair and one's blonde. And neither of them know who the woman is. But at least she says, hey, my dad was like, I'm dying, but your brother can hang out with you. And then she grabs Atherin's arm for comfort. And Atherin's like, Hey, Kira, what do I do with this? <laughs> Kira. Kira's also like, what do I do with this? <laughs> Who's this lady? I've never, she's not my mom. I don't know, we've never seen your mom. Is she your mom? I assumed your mom was probably blonde. <laughs> Why is he assuming twins, though? I think because they're the same age. Okay. And, uh, I mean, the picture and, yeah. kind of does imply that. Maybe it looks they- like a hospital bed with two babies. Yeah. You don't usually get your second baby, so your older baby, <laughs> swaddle them in a blanket, and put it there. Meanwhile, we cut to Azrael on a space shuttle with the druggies. Druggies in space! <laughs> Sounds all- like a really bad side series. <laughs> Meanwhile, we cut to Isaac Diarca. Isaac Diarca. No, that's wrong. Isaac and Diarca just flow so naturally. Isaac, Rao, and Flay also going to space. <laughs> leaving on a space plane. And everyone who isn't one of them has apparently frozen because none of them are moving. They don't have the animation budget. And Rao is mega creepy. Like, don't worry. I'll protect you. Everything will be fine. To be fair, like, just imagine his golden flowing locks and that but seductive he's smile. still mega creepy. And that weird-ass, like... I guess stag beetle bass. And Isaac is just <laughs> staring and judging. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's should I judging tell people them. that Flay is not a soldier? The should captain's I... getting really rapey. <laughs> should I report this? He's my superior officer, so I don't know who's above him. Do I tell Atherin's dad? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna tell Atherin's dad on you. But Flay's into it, I guess, because she goes, like, that one chick from Flash Gordon all over Rao and just, like, clings to him because he's the only man in sight. Anyway, back on the Kusanagi, Kira's like, hey, let's leave, Atherin. And Atherin's like, shouldn't... And then we flash back to the end of their talk, and they're basically going, I don't know. And Kigali being like, you're my brother, what does that make me? And Kira's basically like, we ain't dealing with this shit. It's not gonna help. We're leaving. I mean, I think he's more like, what are we supposed to do with this information? Which is valid. And he's like, hey, he does comfortably be like, your dad was your dad, no matter what, so... And if you want to hang out with me, like, you know, I got some sacks in my room. We can just, like, hang out and chill. So, like, Kira and Atherin are preparing to leave. And so Atherin's like, shouldn't you... who knows how social interaction works, is like, shouldn't you stay here? And Kira's like, nope, I ain't dealing with this shit. I'm out of here. To be fair to Kira, he is at least like, if I'm hanging out with her, she's just going to be thinking about it nonstop. I know. I just find it amusing that it all comes up and you're like, nope, I'm out. I mean, to be fair, Kira is a computer programmer. He knows what's up. Kira also has no emotions, so there's that problem. I no, I, I believe I covered that with is a computer programmer. He's just introverted. He's like frowning and distracted as they leave. And Atherin, continuing the Gundam affection, goes up and gives him a nice pat on the shoulder, just like he saw Kigali do to him earlier. He's like, hey, can I borrow the Archangel shuttles? I need to go talk to my dad. And I believe Kira says yes, but he doesn't really have any authority to give Atherin a shuttle. He says I'll talk to 
people about it. I feel like if he has Maru and Moo, he can get them. He knows how to talk to mom and dad and gets what he wants. <laughs> I really like the way Atherin phrases that, though, is, I feel I must sit down and talk to my father. Yeah, he says, I'll talk to Maru and the others about it. Atherin's like, hey, thanks. Meanwhile, on the moon... Dracula. Ta- no, it's Natarl. Dracula. <laughs> Actually, she's not nearly as but cool as Dracula. But first, we get a shot of a blacker archangel. Just a quick shot of it. And then we get a nice forward shot. It's got the nice landing lights on it. Oh, yeah. It Those are pretty definitely landing lights. Natarl reports and is told that she will be the captain of the second ship in the Archangel line, the Dominion. And I love the name, the Dominion, because Dominion is a class of angel, like an archangel, and it's not subtle at all. And I, I like the paint job on the Dominion. I like the, the black, but... The Archangel looks good in white, and it looks good in black. And if they're side by side, you can tell the difference very easily. Yep, it's a very distinct visual cue for if the, when the two are actually engaged. So in these ending credits, there's like a partially destroyed orange gin. That's Miguel's, only he doesn't use it in the series, only the expanded fiction. <laughs> because if I remember right, Miguel was supposed to be a bit more important as a, of a character, but because of external reasons, he ended up not being. Okay, I think we talked about this early on in the recording of the yeah, podcast. I believe we did. All right, so that's episode 39. It's a pretty slow one. It's kind of the last slow one we get, but I love that dueling propaganda so much, and it sets up where all the characters are. It gets everybody in space where they need to be, gets Natarl hanging out with the druggies. I was going to say, based on the intro, I'm surprised she's working for Asriel, but on the other hand, she's very like dutiful. She, well, to she's very military-focused, and if you remember correctly, she wasn't exactly thrilled about Kira being a coordinator in the first place. Like, military is what she does. Yeah. It's more of, she's working for the military, Azrael just happens to come along for exactly. the ride. Yeah. I keep forgetting about it because he's, like, paramilitary, so... So that's the episode. We have a few things to take care of real quick before we're done here, though. First off, uh, high points. Tyler, we will start with you. Hmm. There's not a lot there. I'm actually going to take a, a kind of a cheap one. I'm going to say Hoodlackis because it's a terrible disguise, and really, she's not making a whole lot of effort to disguise herself, but we all pretend that she is. Zach, do you have a high point? I'm hijacking Jeremy's. The dueling propaganda is absolutely fantastic and really makes this episode... Yeah, it is actually probably the best part of this episode. Oh, I, no was, I, was, I was trying to leave it for you, but... <laughs> I'm not yeah, that nice. <laughs> Let's see, what could I take then? I could say Siegel's death, but that really wouldn't be as good without the dueling propaganda over it. Well, the thing it's is, pretty like, unceremonious, too. The whole duel, the dueling propaganda is really what keeps this episode together as a concept. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of characters not really doing anything. Uh, since Zach stole mine, I'm going to go with Isaac just being done with Raoul Crusade and just <laughs> constantly judging him. That's pretty good. All right. What about low points, Tyler? Like the last small cut with Azrael and the druggies right before we cut to Rao being creepy guy. Like, didn't really add anything. Like, I don't like Azrael very much. And the show tried to make us like him a little bit. I don't bit. think it made him try to like him. I don't think it, it cares about it. It tried to make you have a him have an understandable backstory. And it just still doesn't work. Yeah. He's still a dick I want to see die. But that, that last little bit of cut to them right before we cut to... Rao and Isaac and Foy is like, oh no, it did nothing. It actively made me want to say, okay, can we please move off of this guy now? Zach, how about you? The unfortunate external loss of what could have potentially been an interesting character. Wow, that's very meta. And <laughs> Well, it's the kind of thing, like, this Gundam is not exactly well known for having a lot of stellar, especially even this one, having stellar female pilots in it, and having that character exist in the series and not... Oh, so you're talking about she Yes. 
That, uh, that's what I'm talking about. Is because she exists, she shows up, but she never really does anything. I didn't even know she was there until Jeremy pointed her out in this one. I thought you were talking about some magical destiny bullshit. No, oh, no, no, no. Although she stands around in the background there, too. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about Destiny. Not yet. No, I actually like the shot they added into Destiny. It makes the timeline kind of tight, but it makes sense to me that he would be there. I'm not so sure I agreed necessarily with Jeremy on that, but I do like the addition of the shot. So, I have no idea what we're talking about. The main characters are all there. They're all hanging out. Oh, okay, that one. Okay, I thought you meant when you said the one that they added to Destiny. Oh, no, You did say the one they no, added to I Destiny. From Destiny. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Okay, I guess my life point is this is kind of a slow episode. It's the last one, and I really like that propaganda stuff. It really sets up the next episode, which is what the slow episodes are here to do. But I don't care about the way the Kusanagi works and move very politely being like, yeah, awesome compartments. <laughs> awesome compartments. All right, so two more things to do. First, we have our game, because Ghost Dad has been a ghost for 16 seconds now. He was alive for 16 minutes and 59 seconds, so not much of a dent in that, but... We'll see. We have a lot of time. I think we should call the game Ghost Dad from now on. <laughs> Ghost Dad? Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> this round of Ghost Dad. <laughs> All right. So do we want to add the last druggy mobile suit to the list while we're here? Let's do it. So we got the Raider at number 15 between the Strike Naked and the Baku. And we have the Forbidden at 11 between the Din and the Duel with the Assault Shroud on. So the last one we have to put on there is the Calamity. The, the Dead one. The Artillery? Yeah, the blue one. I don't like it as much as the Forbidden, personally, but it's the most original one. It's kind of designed after the heavy arms, but only as a very base starting point. It has a heavy feel to it, because it can't fly in the atmosphere, and every time it lands, it feels kind of heavy, and I like that. It's my personal favorite of the three. So let's start comparing it to the Forbidden, though. I don't think it's as good as the Forbidden, but Zach... Which one's the Forbidden? Is the the Forbidden the the Transform? Oh, the Scythe one? I don't like the Forbidden very much. I like artillery and heavy weapons, and that's exactly what the Calamity does. And I'm actually going to have to agree with Zach on this one. Like, the weight they give it as it's throwing itself around does it for me, I think, so... All right, I like the Calamity as well. I just think the Forbidden's a little better, but I'm outvoted here. The next artillery-ish mobile suit we have is the Buster, and it's very high, because we like artillery here. <laughs> yes, we do, apparently. as good as the Buster. I think the Buster's a little cooler with those, like, guns that combine together. It gives it a cool action pose to have. It does, but I personally prefer the Calamity, because the Calamity looks like an artillery piece. Like, it looks like it's designed for heavy fire support, whereas the Buster has kind of a more generic look to it. I was going to say it feels like a much more all-purpose suit. Uh, that said, I think I prefer the Buster partially because I prefer the pilot. That's cheating a little bit. Yeah, I know it's cheating a little bit, but I feel like it's going to be around longer. So, <laughs> Let's see. What in the middle there do I want to compare this to? The Sky Grasper. Clearly. That's actually the dead center between the two. So I keep staring at it. How do we think it compares to the Blitz? I'm not actually that crazy about the Blitz. I think I like the Calamity a bit more than that. I like Sneaky, but... I, I like Big Bangs a lot more than I like Sneaky. I really like the concept of the Blitz, even though it was actually another Death Scythe clone. How many of those do we get in this show? Two. Okay, only the two. Don't uh, worry, Destiny is the series of the clones. And to be fair, at least in this one, you have two different clones of the Death Scythe. Like the they have Calam- different concepts. Yeah, the right? Calamity copies the Scythe, whereas the Blitz copies the Death Scythe's cloaking ability. And color. I'm in favor of the Blitz, but I think I'm actually outvoted already. You are. So. Uh, so the other Gundam between these is the Ale Strike. And I like the Ale Strike more. I really like like the flow the backpack gives it. It's got a bit of a weight on the end, but I really like the color balance with that red on it. I like the Ale 
and its all-purposeness more than the Calamity. As do I, actually. I'm outvoted. I prefer specialization to generalization. Um, right below the Ale Strike is the Legao, which is the, Sexy Ramba Rawls, cool suit. Yeah, the double Baku. Baku. I think I like the Calamity more. The double uh, cockpit on the Legao is pretty cool, but I don't really like the tigerish design, so I prefer the Calamity. I actually really like the Legao. I like the idea of a two-seater. Again, I still prefer the specialization, but both of these are specialized units. The Legao is designed for use in a desert, whereas the Calamity is an artillery piece. But I'd have to go with the Legao. I'm really torn on this because, man, that's a stupid design for any sort of mech. But also it's a giant tiger and also it's sexy Romba Roll. It runs on coffee. And yeah, it's, it's a coffee-powered death machine. Um, I think I'm going to have to give it to the Calamity, actually. So the Calamity will go in at number six, below the Ale Strike, and above the Legao. I'm just, like, imagining at some point I'm just going to have, like, a series of pictures, and people are just going to be really angry that we've ordered pictures at some point. Because that's exactly what's going to happen. All right. That's it. <laughs> that's it for this episode. Join us next week when it's finally time, episode 40 slash 42, the one I've been waiting for for, like, five episodes now, Lackus Strikes. They killed her father. Now. They're going to regret it. You make it sound like a Quentin Tarantino movie now. Uh, I was thinking it was like Taken 6. (laughs) Look, I would watch Taken with Lackis Klein. I don't know who she's going to shoot, but... It doesn't really matter. That's not the point. Actually, is she going to shoot anyone, or is she going to get Dacasa to shoot people for her? Oh, that's usually her go-to move. Sometimes it's after Nakira. I summon Dacasa in attack mode. (laughs) Does she ever summon anything in defense position? Is really the Kira? I summon Kira in defense position. Next time, she summons Kira in defense position. I equip the freedom. So, we'll see you then. Bye. Last Podcast Production, copyright 2019.